0: Um, so, and that's it. And I think what, what the reason a lot of people fear or hate public speaking is that they get, um, into the, you know, just that this, the, when it comes to the moment to start speaking, they think I've got to be all these things, because when I think about what success looks and sounds like in terms of public speaking, it's that person in your head, who's your, your benchmark for amazingness. And I've got to be like that. How do I do that? because you know a lot of these things they are hard to action if you like you know like you can be relatable if someone you know it's a bit like when you someone says to you just relax and you're like I'm not relaxed I mean how do I how how, if I would if I knew how to relax in this moment I'd be relaxed right but you know saying some be charismatic what does that even mean you know be sincere Okay, well, you know, I can feel like I'm being sincere, but you know, does that is that fit other people's definition of what sincerity looks like you know it's it's hard to do well when you're thinking about it in these terms. Like, I want to be like that person in my head. So, what I try and do is is try and change change the way you talk to yourself before you, as you get ready to to give a talk or speak to people. It's because these aren't things you can do. These are things it'd be great to be, but they're not things you can do really so we learn to look at what good speakers do because good speakers all i i a hundred percent confident that all of the people you are thinking of share some things have some stuff in common things that they do because there are a few key things that good speakers do in order to be like that we've got, we can do them because i think good speaking is a skill some people have a bit more of a natural flair for it than others but it's definitely a skill rather than a talent that you're either born with or you're not. So we can all do things that will make us better speakers. So um, what I'm gonna do now, so the chat's gonna stay there, but I'm gonna put up um, a piece of uh, text on the screen. And uh, could I have a volunteer to read it? It's very short. Can I have a volunteer to read a short piece of text? What is it that good speakers do that other speakers don't do? Well, first of all, one thing I think is is that is let's talk about emphasis, I mean, vocal emphasis, because one thing good speakers do is that they I think they're very clear with you about what information is important and what's not. So let's look at the words The literally just each word, each building block of this little bit of text, this little string of ideas and look at which words contain information and which words maybe don't contain a lot of information. By information, I mean the kind of the what, the who, the where, the why of, of what's happening. So um, anyone's free to unmute and yell out. What I'm gonna do is you you tell me which individual words contain some information for me, the person listening. Let's let's narrow it down to me for this one. And, uh, and I'll highlight them, okay? So, so even in this quite short passage there's quite a lot of information packed into it that's the thing is the thing is that this is how it this is how it works every time we listen to someone speak i guarantee you that now you are not listening to every single word i say it's it's just how people's brains people's just how people are they don't listen to every single thing you say certain things will catch their ear certain things will 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 catch their attention and they'll latch onto that and that will get into the, into their brain into their mental landscape and 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 that but that's how it works you know the that's how well, our language at least works words speech we don't need absolutely everything in order to get the complete picture so for example the they's and that's and wills and ands you know, when it was just that, nothing, they don't really tell you anything. And, But it's not that, like they're completely surplus, all those connecting words, all the kind of grammar in between the the word information words. We're not talking about distilling what you have down to say into literal like bullet points, like, you know, climate, ecological emergency, bad, yes. Rebellion, autumn, join, yes. You know, okay, that may shorten it a bit, but you know, that's not what we're talking about doing feels kind of a little bit aggressive doesn't it just sort of shouting out keywords but what you need to do in terms of emphasis is that is to recognize that some words some th- words some ideas are going to really connect with an audience and some don't need to so the thing is all these thats and days and wills although they and when she that it makes it all hang together grammatically but they're not important words and remember, we're talking about speech, so they're not important sounds. I find a lot of the time when I'm working with people who are very, very adept at expressing themselves in writing, or um, it's it's hard to appreciate the the, the language as speech. And that means words as sounds rather than abstract units of meaning, abstract units of grammar that you, as long as you slot them together in the right order, you're going to create a massively impactful message that's going to really change the world. Now, of course, that does happen. There are books that change the world. There are are emails that change the world. But we're talking about connecting with people through speech, and that means sounds. So these sounds are not important. They're not landing with your audience, so they don't matter. don't worry about them the ones that matter are the ones that are going to contain some information that's going to lodge in the other person's brain so what good speakers do is they're very careful with their emphasis or they put their emphasis their vocal energy they don't waste it on words and thoughts that don't matter so good speakers another way of putting this this is one of my big kind of Ideas that I, I try and get across when I'm helping people with this sort of thing. One of the things that good speakers do is they do all of the work. They do all of the listeners' work. If there are, if you, you know, if you only take a couple of things from this hour and a bit, that would be one of them. Good speakers do all of the listeners' work. They make it really easy to be the person who is listening, because it's not just about how you, how you perform as an individual speaker. Remember, you're working with an audience and the audience, um, think of it this way, you have a budget, right? In terms of your audience's attention span and your audience's ability to engage with you and take on board what you're saying. So um, if you're going to do all the listeners work, you can't make your listener work too hard. So, you know, sometimes you're very aware of this when you think, OK, well, I, um, I've i got a, I've got this talk to give and I've timed it out and it takes roughly three and a half hours. So um, maybe we have a five minute break in the middle. But. When you may have three and a half hours worth of really important seeming stuff to say, but your running time is basically like how long your audience can sit still and focus. So we don't wanna overtax our audience by making them work too hard. And what I mean by that is that you've got to manage their attention. So if you try and make everything sound important, then eventually after a few minutes of this, fully investing every single word you have to put across with loads of vocal energy and loads of dynamism, not many audiences can cope with it. I can see people starting to smile and laugh a little bit because it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Most audiences, most people can't deal with that much coming at them relentlessly. So you've got to be make a few choices about where you put your emphasis. So now I just want to move it on and talk about another aspect of what it means to do the listener's work. I want to talk about pace. Because often I'm uh, talking to people who say, oh, when I get nervous, I tend to speed up. And I just sort of talk too fast, and so um, I'm always telling myself to slow down and and just speak more clearly. But um, the problem with that, I mean, you'd be surprised how often people say that. And I mean, maybe you do it yourself, sort of speed up when you go too quickly, uh, uh, go go too quickly when you're feeling a little bit under pressure. And and I've seen this often, and I've heard other coaches do this, say to people, "Yeah, you, what you got to want to do is you want to slow down." want to slow down and pronounce each word clearly and but what's the problem if i tell myself to slow down and speak to you more clearly what's happened to my voice when i tell myself to slow down is that well you tell me what is it like listening to me talk when i say to myself slow down like mud, <laughs> like mud. <laughs> yeah and I can see people starting to smile and everything and sort of go, okay yeah it's difficult isn't it it's not it's not the easiest thing it's boring listening to people who speak slowly can be boy sounds a bit patronizing so I want to fall asleep yeah no energy all the energy's gone so that's to what tends to happen to people when they tell themselves, slow down, speak slowly. It's all the energy goes. The thing is, energy is good. Energy is interesting to listen to. It's engaging to have energy. It only becomes a problem when energy expresses itself as speed. As pace. So we want to channel that energy and let it express itself, but not as speed because again it's if you think about doing the listeners work if you do have somebody who's rattling on like ten to the dozen and is getting through what they have to say really really quickly oh and there's loads of amazing stuff going on all over the country and we're going to be going to Bristol we're going to be going to Plymouth and then we're going back to London and um oh and Insulate Britain is its brilliant campaign where we're going to just insulate all the homes and save people loads of money you know again how long can you reasonably cope with that going on before you your brain starts to look for something easier to engage with that's what happens to people you know then you and you can sometimes you can see it happening they start you know just glancing to one side or they're sort of thinking about what they're going to be doing later or they're just you know literally just checking their phone because it's just easier to engage with than this unstoppable avalanche of information and sound that, that and i'm sorry i'm missing i'm missing every third word i don't really i'm not, I'm not really following it so i might as well just Think about something else so we want that energy to express itself differently so the way to moderate your pace without losing energy is pauses put in more pauses but don't just put in pauses anywhere there's definitely a good places to pause and then not so good places to pause so i'll put the document up again so show you what i mean so where to pause where you want to pause In between each new idea, each new, well, each reasonably manageable chunk of new information or or new thoughts. So, for example, you've got this first sentence. Yeah, I could, uh, let's get rid of this, and I'm going to make, so that's a pause, okay? I'm going to put in a forward slash as a pause. So if I pause here, all, what are you thinking as a listener? what's next all what yes all who what that's not a complete that's not a coherent chunk of new information that's like half half an idea but if i do that all children now there's now that's a that's an image that's a thing you can think about okay all children like literally like a big crowd of children maybe all children in the history of the world that's a thing that my listeners brain can latch onto as an idea Once I've latched onto it, then I'm ready. All children what? All children who where? All children except, again, you're like, yes, except what? Except where? It's not a complete chunk of new information. It's kind of, it's like prematurely cut off. But if you do that, all children except one Now I've got an image that I can make sense of. I've gone from all children in the history of the world. Now I'm thinking about one, but that's a big mental leap. So I do need that pause. I need that pause just to make that mental shift before I'm ready for more. And when I say I need that pause, this is another, another way of putting this idea of do the listeners work, is to think about the listeners needs meet the listener's needs and by that I mean literally the needs you have when it's your turn to listen when you're the person listening I, and I don't mean about your emotional psychological needs or anything like that I mean your needs as a listener so listeners like in the previous type of work using emphasis listeners need you to manage their attention they can't listeners can't cope with you telling them like literally everything that comes out of my mouth is equally important how do they make sense of it then they've got to do the work of working out what's important and what's not they need you to speak at a pace that suits them and the pace the pace of their thoughts so good speakers always speak at the pace of their listeners thoughts not of your own thoughts because the thing about speaking quickly is that people when they speak quickly you know they're speaking sort of closer to the pace at which they think That's how they're able to get it out that fast. And most people think quicker than they speak. So if you are trying to keep up with the pace of your thoughts, other people are not going to be able to because they don't know what's coming. You've got it all at your fingertips mentally, but they don't. So good speakers, you have to choose and find a pace that is maybe not your natural pace, your habitual pace, but is a pace that suits this audience, this person in front of you using pauses, not by just generally slowing down. Pause in between each new idea. So we're to move this on, all children, except one, grow. Again, that like grow, what, literally just grow? Grow what, grow strawberries in the garden? Grow up, now that's again another concept that has some sort of coherence to it. So all children, except one, grow up. Now, we're t- that's, I'm not throwing too much information at an audience. I think we're done. So to see this again, I'm not teaching you anything you don't already know. Your instincts are right, I think, about where, to, I mean, there are other places where it would work to have pauses, a few, but I think generally those are all the really good places to pause in this, in this section, in this piece of text, because there's not too much information in each chunk. That's the thing. The chunks aren't too big, the gaps in between the the pauses. Because sometimes it's pretty tempting to pay an audience the compliment of thinking that they are really super high functioning, really clever people who can take in loads and loads of information without pausing at all. And the thing is, uh, most audiences are not. Even very clever people, even very sharp, bright and interested people can only cope with a certain amount of information coming at them at a certain rate so they need the pauses but pausing is also useful for you too as a speaker because i say remember as i said before that this is about this is a physical thing that's another big th- idea that i'd really like you all to, to to um to take on and think about when you go up and start giving talks and speaking is that speaking is a physical act it's not just an intellectual exercise it's not you're not a talking brain on a stick it, it engages you physically, your entire body. So the thing about pauses is that they're quite useful because um, they give you places to breathe. Places to think, well, that's the other thing as well. Obviously, there is an intellectual element, a, a mental element. It gives you a, just a moment, you don't need a long pause, but just a moment to think of how you're going to put your next thought into words so that you're not finding yourself going um uh yeah uh it's the thing about this is this sort of um uh, because again you're making your listeners work they're going what the what i i I can't get any meaningful ideas out of this stream of ums and blah blah blah." you have just a moment to think about how you're going to phrase your next thought it can really really help but that's a moment to breathe as well you need enough breath to complete the next thought because, and don't make, don't make yourself work too hard. So, because look at this: the, the, how big are these chunks of thought? Some of them are only two words. Some of them are like three, four. The biggest one: what? One, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four five, six, seven, seven or eight words. Coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, that is about as many words as most people can say on one breath, if they're speaking at a pace that an audience can cope with. Someone said Barack Obama earlier as a good public speaker. If you watch on YouTube some of Barack Obama's early speeches, or actually, no, his later speeches, even more so, sometimes he's only pausing every two or three words. But every idea that he's putting across has this weight to it. It's gravitas, and it's really convincing. but But it's not just because he's chosen really good words to say. He's delivered them in a way that's easy to absorb. It's easy to listen to. So you can fully focus on the what is being said and not have part of your brain just sort of running to keep up or trying to make sense of this undifferentiated stream of noise that's coming at you. He makes it easy. He does the work for you. This is the other thing that good speakers do. So good speakers do the listeners work. They make the listener, they make it really easy for the listener, but good speakers, they all do this. They all manage to convey a sense of value, a sense of value. And I don't just mean a sense of value for what they're talking about because You can sound like you're really interested, like you care about what you're saying, and be really sort of invested in it. And that's the thing, you all get that for free, right? Because none of you are here planning to give this talk on whatever aspect of the climate and ecological emergency and our attempts to do something about it. None of you are doing it because you have to. None of you are doing it because it's your job or because your teacher says you have to. None of you are doing it because for extrinsic reasons. You're all doing it because you're here and because you, because you choose to and because you care about it enough and because you get it. how important this work is. You're all here. It all comes from a place that's really real and organic. So you being passionate and being caring about what you have to say, you kind of get that for free. But people who are really passionate and care about what they say, like that's great. But you know, you we've all come across people in life, haven't we, who are really passionate about a subject and they've got a lot to say about it and huge feelings about it. Can I, hang on, I'm still talking. Um they've got loads and loads of really important ideas, I'm still talking, hang on. Um the stuff to say about it, and they really, really get into it. And they're like, sorry, are you still there? You can care about what you have to say. But you can still leave an audience feeling completely cold if you don't make them feel valuable as well, and that is what good speakers do. They don't just make what they have to say sound important. I mean, that's, they have to do that. They have to find a way to successfully do that because you know, if you what you say sounds important to you, then often audience members, listeners, will say, "Oh, that sounds like really important. Maybe it should be important to me if it's that important to him or to her." Or to them. But really good speakers convey the value they have for you, the listener, the person who's come to speak. And this is this is always important in a speaking situation, but it's particularly important with what you have chosen to speak about, and with what you have chosen to spend your time and I don't know, perhaps the rest of your life talking to people about. Because, well, first of all, people who, listeners who feel valued, want to keep listening. You know, if they feel this speaker isn't just come, to, hasn't just come to rant at me or near me, they, in ways that maybe they're not picking up on consciously, they're really going the extra mile to make sure that I find this easy to understand that, you know, that it's at a pace that I can follow, that it's that, um you know, I can really hear the words that matter because of the type of emphasis that they're putting on them. I feel quite looked after as an as a listener. You know, this is a pleasant experience. It's not a hard experience. They are they are doing the work for me. I appreciate that that makes the listeners feel valued and it makes them more receptive. It makes them want to keep listening and it makes you more convincing. If you can convey that value you have for them. And like I say, there's, there's that side of it. It's just, just the sort of, if you like, the technical side of it, but for this stuff that we've chosen to spend our time talking about and thinking about and trying to communicate to other people, it's especially important. so i said this to people who were giving the heading for extinction talk a lot and i think it still applies with the talks that you're going to be giving is that you really have to be conscious of what those listeners are going to bring into the room with them or into the space with them when they come to listen to you speak they're in a similar position to you maybe they're not as many steps down the road as you are with that journey that really everybody needs to go on everybody needs to start to grasp the full magnitude of the situation that we're all in and how urgent it is to do something about it they're not as far down that road as you are because you're the person who's chosen to actually speak about it and be active but they're they're on the way. They're in the same. They're in a similar sort of emotional place because, again, they're not. They're not coming to listen to you because they've. Because it's that's what they get paid to do. They're not coming to listen to you because, that's what they've been told they have to do, by a teacher or a parent. I mean, maybe a few of them have, but mostly people are there, because something you've said to them earlier in the week, or something they've read. You know, the penny has started to drop and that means i mean think about how you felt when you first started to let it in about just how fucked everything is and think about the kind of sleepless nights you've had and think about the conversations you've had with other people that feel the same way as you do That's hard, isn't it? Those are quite difficult, messy emotions. And so when they come to speak to you and hear more about it, they're going to need you to look after them. They're going to need you to do all that work as a speaker, just to make the actual act of taking on what you're saying As easy as possible, because when you do take it on, when you do engage with it, it's very spiritually, emotionally draining. It's a very difficult message to hear when you allow yourself to hear it. So they've got enough going on just taking it in. So you need to make the the medium the message is hard right the message is really hard to engage with so the medium needs to be as easy as possible so you really do have to do this work because they need you to do it another thing I've often said to head for extinction speakers is that you know when I'm talking about the energy the energy that you need the vocal energy you know I mean that's kind of a vague term where does that come from where do you what kind of energy is this where does it the 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 urge to speak or the you know the, the reason for speaking how do you channel that it needs to come from somewhere quite personal and genuine and authentic and real doesn't it but not just in terms of i've got this talk and i've i've rehearsed my little bit about insulate britain and i know the the facts of the thing and or i know about this thing or the climate and ecological emergency i've been really well briefed on all the kind of factoids and and bits of rhetoric that I need to put into this talk. Um, And then I'll add my own little personal story about how I got into XR or how I got into campaigning for the CEE bill or whatever. And I'll add my personal story and that's my personal bit done. But otherwise, I'm basically just gonna get the message out. That is not enough. Your, Your reason for speaking, your reason for doing this work needs to permeate everything you say so if you're if you're ever sort of feeling uncertain so where do i how do i get, how do i summon up the energy that i'm going to need you've got to come back to that why you're here you know and i, so I particularly salute those of you who have given up whatever semblance of a normal life you had before and are now sitting in a van and lay by in county durham to do just to talk to people like this is that is that you know that you have to bring all of that with you in every part of it not just in so, a little personal anecdote that that is if you bring that amount of energy that is what will come across to people as in that in that vocal emphasis And you will be, come back and look at the chat again, you will be all of those things if you do the work, if you do the listeners work. You show, you convey value partly by doing the listeners work. And a lot of it, I say speaking is a physical act. A lot of it's about doing doing the specific things I suggested. Emphasis in the right places or put your emphasis in the right places, pausing in the right places. That's all work you're doing for them. You're not doing it to be self-indulgent and theatrical, you know, putting in big pauses because I'm now going to talk about the potential extinction of all life on earth. And I'm going to go a bit David Attenborough. You know, it's not for effect. None of this is for effect. That's important to, the thing to say. None of this is, is, is done to try and just make it sound prettier or, or more dramatic. It's all about supporting meaning. Pausing an emphasis is about supporting the meaning to make the job of listening as easy as possible because the meaning of what you have to say is absolutely earth-shattering for most people who are at the stage that your audience is going to be at. I'll do another practical thing. I want to do another practical thing with you and then hopefully we'll have some time after that to either you know, people want to ask some questions or maybe some people who have got to give a talk in the next maybe tomorrow or in, in the short term can have a try just like a two or three minute you know if you're pitching to some to an audience the you know, here's what insulate Britain is about something like that maybe if someone feels brave they can have a try um practical thing another th- just about the physical side because i keep talking about the physical side of things eye contact because often people ask me things like where do i look who do i look at do i look at anyone what do i do with my face when i'm talking hello amy i don't know if you're just arriving but i've you are in for a treat because we've got another practical highly uh, uh, applicable little technique for you to use when you're giving a talk with eye contact now i'm going to show you three kinds of eye contact okay three kinds here's the first kind i'm just reading off a bit of paper here's the first kind i have dedicated my life to this struggle of the african people i have fought against white domination and i have fought against black domination i have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons will live together in harmony And with equal opportunities. So that's one kind of eye contact. Here's the second kind of eye contact. I have dedicated my life to this struggle of the African people. I have fought against white domination and I have fought against black domination. I have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons will live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. That's the second kind of eye contact, and I can see a couple of people laughing with what looks to me like recognition. Um, Here's the third kind of eye contact, okay? I have dedicated my life to this struggle of the African people. I have fought against white domination and I have fought against black domination. I have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons will live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. It is an ideal which I hope to live for and to see realized. But if it needs be, it is an ideal for which I am prepared to die. Okay, three kinds of eye contact. Now the first kind of eye contact, put it in the chat or shout out, how did that make you feel? The first kind of eye contact. Detached. It was just reading. Feel free to unmute and say it if you, if you want. What, how did that make you feel? Ignored. OK, these are not great things to make an audience feel when you come to give a very important speech to them. <laughs> Lectured. Back to school. Oh, dear. You had that kind of teacher, did you? Oh, no. Um, I'm having a listening test again. Okay. Um, Second kind of eye contact. How did that make you feel? You felt forced, or is that an observation about me, or is that an observation about how you feel? Peaked at. (laughs) Nervous. You felt nervous, or I seemed nervous. You felt creeped out. Yeah, I could see it. I could see everyone like, oh, my God. Um, distracted. You felt distracted. or that, I'm interested in how you feel. I mean, if you, if you can, if making observations about me is, is one thing, but, and how I might be feeling, but I'm interested in how you feel. Felt it was about you. Someone who'd been told to make eye contact, but didn't know how. Yes, I agree. That is frequently uh, what you see when people are like, uh, someone's put a gun to the back of his head okay so that's obviously going to make me seem very uncomfortable but that's uh, and also making you sound, feel uncomfortable but generally i'm what i'm getting from all these comments is that you feel like it's a bit uncomfortable listening to somebody who's who's like that and yeah so the, i mean this is what i see a lot from people who they're aware that eye contact is important but they're kind of like well i mean when do i do it what do i have to really do it don't, I'd much rather not. If I look up, oh, my God, shit, there's so many people here. I didn't realise there was that many people here. Uh, OK, I'm if or I'm going to get distracted if I if I look up and like see someone I know or something like that. So I'm just I'm not I'm just going to occasionally. I mean, it's it's as bad if perhaps even worse than the first kind of eye contact. But the first kind of eye contact's pretty common, but none at all, because people are either like I, I can't trust myself to keep my thread without just keeping my head down especially if they're reading but actually sometimes you know people do that when they're not reading from notes they just sort of find a spot and just and just look at it and and then just sort of talk or they you know might be at their feet or there might be some like over the audience's heads I call that the the telly in the pub eye contact you know when you're talking to someone and they're actually they can't kind of can't stop it but they're just, they're watching the telly in the corner of the pub and they kind of can't help it but again how does that make you feel ignored marginalized sidelined you know not very valuable remember we're trying to co- to make the audience feel valued so you can't really do that if you're either making no eye contact at all or if you're doing this kind of token sort of forced eye contact it just makes people feel creeped out makes because they're uncomfortable on your behalf they if you feel nervous they feel nervous for you and that distracts them from what they're meant to be paying their attention to, and that is what you're saying. Now, the third kind of eye contact, how did that make you feel? Listening, watching me doing that. Connected. The speaker was speaking to me personally and the head nodding made it feel like he was speaking. Truth to me. Trained a lot. Hey, well spotted to you. I'm going oh, goosebumps. Love it. Oh, can I put that on my website? Anthony gives me goosebumps. No, it's obviously not me. It's probably a little bit. It's ninety-eight percent Nelson Mandela, and then maybe two percent the speaker. Amy. Um. Oh, I feel all uncomfortable now. Um. So the, it's Nelson Mandela. It's not with me. She's not in love with me. So um, the thing is legit okay great i love to be described as legit as well ish okay well there's uh, something else you're also sort of picking up on which is which is good you're all very perceptive people is that i am doing a bit of a trick right it's a bit of a it's a bit of a technique yeah you spotted that right so what i'm doing is i'm looking up on the final three words of every sentence that is all i'm doing the African people against black domination and well this is a long sentence so I've, I've split it in two and I'm looking up on the final three words of, of before the comma and free society and that that's what I'm doing final three words of each sentence and the, f- the reason I'm doing that is because um, well three words is about as many words as I can hold in my working memory and take my eyes up off the page and not lose my place or not forget well uh, and free s- society you know so three words is like is the least risky but also um I mean, it's not just any old three words i'm not just doing i'm doing it at the ends of sentences because it's like what i want to do is use eye contact in order to connect to properly connect with you and by and connect not just me the person speaking but the idea that i'm trying to put across in words so it's like i want to use this uh, this moment of eye contact with you if it needs be it's an ideal for which i am prepared to die it's almost like i'm going to take that big idea and i'm going to hand it to you really deliberately really consciously i'm going to take that idea and i'm just going to put it firmly in your hands so you've got it something i do with people when we're working together in the flesh sometimes is i get them to like right at the end of a sentence literally hand an object like if i'm going to hand if i was going to hand one of you this pencil i hand it to you very deliberately and I wouldn't let go until you've got it because this is the other thing what am I one thing I'm not doing here's what I'm not doing is this I have dedicated my life to this struggle of the African people I have fought against white domination and I have fought against black domination I have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which what's happening there no pauses I'm putting in, I suppose I'm putting fewer pauses, well, quicker pauses, but no time for it to land. Nicely put, Andy and Emma. I'm dropping the eye contact too soon. If I go, I've dedicated my life to this struggle of the African people. Where's my place? I've fought against white domination uh, domination, I've fought against black domination, and on to the next thing. It's like what? What? It's like if I was gonna hand you this pencil, I go, here's the pencil. Moving on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, I haven't got it. Here's this very important, very fragile and very expensive object. Here you go. And I'm done. Whoop! You know, it's like it's fallen into the space between us. So the, what makes this work is that extra half a beat, that moment after you've finished speaking, where you just hold the eye contact just for a moment. doesn't have to be a big long pause. Remember I say, it's not about being dramatic but you just hold it long enough to get that sense of connection right you've heard that right you're ready for me to move on because i've got more stuff like this to say and move on it creates that sense of connection but it also means you pause you have that pause and then when you return to what you're going to say in comes a new breath in comes new energy and you have the resources, the physical resources to make your next thought fully you express it fully, fully embodied, if you like. Again, it's not not about being dramatic. It's not about trying to give some kind of Oscar-winning, you know, or, or or you know, kind of historic feeling speech that people will remember and re-watch for years to come, although I'm sure some of you have done and maybe will in the short in the in the near future give the sort of speeches that people are going to be re-watching it's about supporting meaning and it's about conveying value because look at the comments you people made you know like i'm in love i mean you know i this is great or, or, what was the other things you know goosebumps you can give an audience goosebumps and it's like it's not just for the sheer thrill of giving them goosebumps like oh i had a i had an effect on you emotionally it's not for that it's because you need that you need that that you need to do this work and you need to convey that value and you need to have that kind of an effect on the audience if they're going to go away and remember what you said and remember how you made them feel now this is really important i'm going to start to sort of wrap my wrap up my remarks here but the Maybe you've heard this expression: "Is that you know?" I, I came across this as well, put really specifically when I was talking to someone the other day uh, who who was talking about how to talk to people with dementia. So maybe a slight tangent here, but I was talking to someone who who trains people on just how to be a bit more aware of of people who have signs of dementia and how to talk to them in a way that's that makes that as easy as possible. And they, this woman said, "People with dementia." most kinds of dementia. They might not remember what you said to them, but they will remember how you made them feel. And that really rang a bell in my head, because I thought that is a better way of putting what I've been trying to express to people for years of doing this sort of work. And particularly when I've been um, working with people who are going to give uh, an XR talk, or just talk about the climate and ecological emergency in, in whatever capacity. It's about how you make people feel it's not about cramming facts into their head is i mean it's probably better just to like mm, there's another conversation altogether but things like if you tell people there's no no specific criticism of anyone who's who's helped draw up some training notes for this thing but something like if you tell people do you know by 2050 there'll be one billion climate refugees i guarantee you that most normal people go I, I don't even know what that means a billion i don't i can't think of what that looks like i can't i can't picture what that Sorry, wow, that sound, is that bad? Sounds bad, it must be bad because that's you're telling it to me. But it doesn't really connect with most people. That kind of stat or factoid doesn't really connect with most people, but you need to connect with people on an emotional level. And if you can't connect with people emotionally with facts, how are you gonna connect with them? with your own emotions. Now, certainly people who are on the Freedom Tour and who've been looking into deep canvassing and how that works will have seen that the successful deep canvassing always involves you bringing yourself to that conversation, bringing something of yourself and talking about feelings and um, and you know relating your feelings in your own experience to those of the other person. And then that is how you have a meaningful connection with someone and to the point where they start to maybe change the way they think about Whatever topic it is, so you're going to need to find a way to talk about this where you can you can bring some of your genuine feelings into it each time. Because, and this is the this is the last sort of thing I'll say, observation I'll make, is that I have. I've done this sort of coaching for a lot of people who've given talks similar to heading for extinction. And I've seen quite a few people give the heading for extinction talk and something I've seen people do. Is kind of whether consciously, or I don't know what, but find a way to kind of psychologically protect themselves a bit by finding a way to stand outside it. So it's almost like the the heading for extinction talk and all the all the content in it, you know, becomes almost like a kind of, it becomes like a sort of something you can kind of hide behind and go, okay, it's all here. All those like spirit crushing facts about where we're all headed, if nothing changes, all of that, um, it's all in the talk. So I don't really have to, I just have to talk the talk. I just have to say the words. Oh, and I'll tell a little story about how I got into this, because my teacher at school took me to a, took us on a climate march or whatever. I'll tell a little, I'll tell a little anecdote, but basically I don't have to, and actually I'd rather not fully engage with this right here, right now, because I've been doing that in my own space, in my own private way for years now, and if I, if I do that on a daily basis, or if I do that 20 times a day because I have 20 separate conversations with people about how scared they are about the climate crisis then I'm just going to be emotionally burnt out very quickly so I'm just going to stand outside it and I'm just going to let the talk do the work let the facts do the work or whatever and I'm I'm, I know I'm supposed to do all the work and do all the listeners work but actually I'm just going to let the words do the work or I'm going to it doesn't work the words even a lot of very very clever and and committed and emotionally articulate people have put a lot of work into the talks and the and the format. i mean just the format of this going around the country just having conversations with individuals like that's that's absolutely the right thing to be doing but if you try and st- stand outside it it's not going to work you need to do this work you need to make the listener feel valued like i say it's not just about you coming in and emoting all over them this work this paying attention to the listener's needs doing the listener's work for them so that they feel valued will allow you to bring some of your own feelings to properly express your feelings in a way that is going to leave its mark on them and that is going to allow them to start to emotionally engage with this thing which we are all finding really difficult you know i've got a daughter who's going to be 32 in 2050 now i think about that a lot and that's hard not to think about when i engage with XR on and, and this stuff in whatever capacity I do with the books I read and the vlogs I watch and things like that but if you don't then it starts to feel like something that is not important and if people uh, come away from your talk thinking this is like oh it's quite important but it's not that important then it's going to take too long to make the changes we need to make so forgive me it's 25 past 10. i haven't given anyone very much time to ask questions or to have a go as i sort of promised i would forgive me but i salute you all for what you're doing even those of you who are you know fitting this in around work and family the, the same way i am and those of you who are literally this is all you do now i salute you for doing this incredibly important work. But you know what? I said this once when I was on the road with Frida talking to people about XR, they're heading for extinction. What a, what a glorious time to be born, right? What how, how wonderful to have not just a sense of purpose in your life, but the most important purpose that any generation of humans has ever been forced to find. You are literally the last generation that has the ability to keep life on this planet going on. What a, what a gift to have that, to live reason for living. So I'm, um, I'm in awe of you for all that you do. So thank you for, for doing what you do. And thank you for paying attention to me, so patiently for an hour and a half.